right, everybody, welcome back to Canadian Rep. This is Jamie Gray. This pod, we feature Bobby Ross. Bobby had 58 caps for Canada, tied for 10th most with Canadian caps, twice as captain, 419 points, third all-time for Canada. And back in 96, he scored 26 points versus Japan, which is fifth all-time for Canada in a match. Pretty impressive stuff. Remember the Rugby World Cup in 95, 99, and 03, BC Sports Hall of Fame in 2020, Victoria Sports Hall of Fame in 2020. Debuted on uh, uh, for Canada back in 89 with Ireland. And his last match was in 03 versus Tonga. So before we uh, before we get to Bobby, we do this every week. I do the little plug just to make sure, especially if you're new, uh, finding out what we're all about. And we're all about Canadian rugby, Canadian rugby players, Canadian rugby coaches, Canadian rugby uh, administration. Just to kind of give a little bit of light to those uh, on the Canadian rugby front because uh, we need to make sure that these people, these men, these women all uh, all have their stories heard. And this week our feature is Bobby. And, uh, but before we get to Bobby, you got to know how to contact us. We're on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, and the email. Twitter at Canadian Rock, Instagram, the underscore Canadian underscore Rock, Facebook at the Canadian Rock. And our email is the Canadian Rock at gmail.com. We're on YouTube where you can watch and listen, follow and subscribe. To listen and follow, you can do it also on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. Make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you're sharing these messages out. We're also, uh, we also have our own website, thecanadianrock.weebly.com, where you're going to find all kinds of information about the pod, about our guests, and uh, all just very pertinent information. Before we get to Bobby, just some, uh, just some rugby news to kind of go over. It's been an interesting week. A thing caught my eye the most was that new global women's tourney it was announced just a few days ago this is friday night while i'm uh setting up this pod uh and this came out a couple of days ago to me this is extremely exciting it's gonna be an annual three-tier competition it's gonna align with the global calendar aside from the world cup years obviously and this is going to start in 2023 due to covid of course why not let's let's blame everything on covid but actually this is due to covid and it's going to be pushed back because the rugby world cup is now as we know being pushed to 2022 World Rugby is sinking 6.4 million pounds into the first two years of this event. Matches are going to run through September through October, and each tier will be in a standalone location. So this is going to be prime rugby. This is going to be an amazing event for the girls. I can't wait for this to get started. World Rugby Chair Bill Beaumont stated, By establishing a unified international 15s calendar and introducing women 15, we are creating a platform for women's international teams to compete in more consistent, competitive, and sustainable competitions at regional and global level. This is an ambitious long-term commitment to make the global game more competitive, to grow the women's game and support the expansion of Rugby World Cup to 16 teams from 2025 and beyond. So it sounds like World Rugby's put a lot of thought on this. They want to make sure the women's game grows and they're, they're targeting that 2025 Rugby World Cup to make sure it's grown by then. And for me, and for I think a lot, this goes without saying, it's a great initiative. And it's going to be excellent for our Canadian girls. It gives our Canadians a chance to play in a structured system against top teams annually and in one set location, which should cut down on travel costs. And as Canada's head coach, Sandro Fiorno stated, Exciting times for the women's game. Yes, Sandro, indeed it is. This is awesome. This is great. I, I'm so excited for the women's team. Games, games, more games. What's happening this weekend? Well, there's a lot. Final weekend of the Six Nations. Uh, somewhat for Scotland and France. They still need to play due to that COVID outbreak uh, with France a few weeks back if that match goes ahead. But it's still in talks. The big question right now is whether the Premiership players are going to be made available. Lots of Premiership coaches aren't interested in losing their top players for another week. As for this weekend, Saturday features the undercard matches, Scotland versus Italy, followed by Ireland and England. The main event, of course, is Sunday's France versus Wales. Wales could take it all the win, which would be exciting for Welsh rugby. It looked like they were on the downside after the Rugby World Cup semi-final loss to the All Blacks back in 2019. But a win would give France a chance to win the tourney if and when they get to play Scotland, where they would need a win as well. Either way, it should be a great weekend of the Six Nations. My picks, Scotland over Italy, Ireland over England, and Wales over France. What about Super Rugby? Lots of that on tap as well. Super Rugby AU has the Rebels facing off against Orcas. Actually, they already faced off. They faced off last night. Uh, Taz has been struggling this year, and that continued as the Rebels beat them 33-14. Taz are still winless, and the Rebels are now sitting in third. 
Following that will be the Reds and Western Force. Reds are solidly in second place right now and with Western Force in fourth and struggling. So I'm pulling on the Reds in this one as well. Super Rugby, Aotearoa, Hurricanes are playing the Chiefs. These two teams somehow are at the bottom of the ladder. I, I don't get it. There's plenty of big names on both sides. Uh, you know, Sam Kane, Lachlan Boshier were both on pods earlier this year with me with it for the Chiefs. And they, I think, as of the recording, have gone 11 straight without a win. As of this year, neither of these teams have a win, which obviously will change this weekend unless there's a draw, which I can't see. I hope that doesn't happen. But either way, it should be an exciting match with lots of big names on either side of the ball. And then the final event of the weekend for Super Rugby is the Blues and the Crusaders. This is the premier Super Rugby game of the weekend. Crusaders are sitting in first. Blues tightly behind them in second place. This is going to be a great match. I'm hoping to find a stream of it somewhere. If you have some, please send it to me. And don't look now, but Major League Rugby is back. Right? This is exciting. Everybody, I think everybody in Canada and the states that love rugby is excited to see Major League Rugby back on tap. And what I really love is the Rugby Network is free streaming all of the games. Download the Major League Rugby app, download the Rugby Network app, get access to all the games anywhere. Uh, this is amazing. Uh, lots of Canadian Ruck pod friends will be in action this weekend as well. And we wish them all the best. Six games on tap. All games are on Saturday. First, we're kicking off to Doug Frazier and Old Glory DC. They're traveling down to Kyle Bailey and Nola Gold. That should be an exciting kickoff to the weekend. Another match, Rugby United New York is traveling to San Diego to face Travis Larson and Josh Thiel of the Legion. Travis and Josh are going to be upcoming guests. After that, we got New England Free Jacks. They're traveling to LA to face DTH in the Giltinis. That's going to be fun. And uh, the Giltinis, as you know, are boasting a couple of Australian legends. They got Magito and Adam Ashley Cooper. So that, that back line in, uh, in LA is going to be fierce. Then we've got your Toronto Arrows featuring Cole Keith, Ben Lesage, Patty Parfrey, Aaron Carpenter, Rob Halley, and Bill Webb. They're facing off against Matt Heaton and Rugby Atlanta. Then we've got DJ Sears Drew and the Seattle Sea Wolves, and their hosts, or sorry, they're in Houston to face the Sabercats. And lastly, the Utah Warriors are in Austin to face the ever fast and tough Jeff Hassler and the Gilgronis. Some really exciting games, some big names. This is going to be a wicked weekend. Major League Rugby is actually trialing some new laws this year, looking at new ways to increase action. This is pretty cool. Hopefully, hopefully you stumbled across this. Kick clock. So now the kicker only has 60 seconds for penalties and conversions. It's dropped 30 by 30 seconds. They're trying to resume play quicker. Scrum resets. Refs are under using stricter protocols, which will limit scrums uh, resets to two. This should definitely speed up gameplay. This one's kind of neat. Under the posts. No conversions necessary if a try is scored under the post. This is going to be an automatic seven-pointer. And this is going to save time and get the ball back in play quicker. The offside line off of scrums, the offside line now is the feed line, all right? So what the, the, the game, aim at this one is to give the more time and space for the nine and the eight at the back of the scrum, give them a little bit more freedom with the ball. Uh, should should create more uh, creative action off the offset place, off, sorry, off those set scrum pieces. Lastly, red cards. And I like this one. This has been talked about in other leagues as well, and I really enjoy it. On a red card, the offending player still leaves the pitch still puts his team down to 14 players. Okay. After 20 minutes, when that player is off, his team now can bring a sub on for the remainder. So this is going to be interesting as the team and offending player still penalized. They get 20 minutes down. The offending player, offending player can't be used again, but it also gives the offending team a fighting chance as they don't have to remain down the entire duration of the match after that red card has been handed out. So that should be interesting. I, I like that idea to see how this is going to play out so what a great weekend for a rugby fix you get your six nations you get your super rugby and now our major league rugby is back i can't wait for the rugby comatose to happen and while you're going through that comatose why don't you think about your golf game break par golf serving southern new brunswick be ready for that 2021 season get your clubs regripped with brands like golf pride and win or even new clubs from wilson torridge or ray cook of course, accessories like range finders, GPS watches, or training aids like launch monitors, and much, much more. Taking orders now to be ready for the season. Check them out at facebook.com slash sales or on their website, breakpargolfsales.weebly.com. Break Par Golf, here to help you break par, not your wallet. 
Now, stay tuned. We have Bobby Ross. So Canadian Ruck welcomes legendary Bobby Ross. Bobby's played uh, three Rugby World Cups for Team Canada uh, all over the map with, with the Canadian national team, starting in 89 with his first test to his last in 03 in, uh, versus Tonga. Bobby, welcome to the Canadian Ruck. Thank you, Jamie. I, I really, uh, really appreciate you asking me on. Oh, it's, the pleasure's all mine. So let's jump right in. So you're born and raised in British Columbia out in Victoria. Tell us your origin story. Like, how did you get involved in rugby out there? Um, well, that my exposure to rugby was through uh, my school. I went to St. Michael's um, right through from like grade one to one to 12. And I guess the first, you know, we played, you know, a mini rugby in, in grade seven. And then once I was in the senior school, obviously there was a, a pretty solid rugby program going there. And, you know, first rugby tour in grade eight to Britain. And then we went, you know, another one in Australia, New Zealand and at the end of grade nine and then Britain in grade 11. So that's smooth is where I got the, I got the exposure for sure. And, uh, you know, just um, quite the rugby culture at that school, right? So uh, half, a do half a dozen of the teachers were, were coaches and they were playing first division on the weekend and, and dragging us along. And, and it was, it was, it was just, yeah, it was just, you couldn't help if you were athletic minded, you could not help but uh, get immersed in it. I like that. That's uh, one of the things I'm pushing here in New Brunswick is to change the senior season, like the club season from the fall to the spring. So it lines up with our high school team so that high school games can happen the same days as club games and stuff like that, just to try and get more interest to see what the club atmosphere is like. It's kind of yeah. neat that it happens out there in, in, uh, in Vancouver or yeah. sorry, Victoria. So where'd you go after, where'd you go after St. Mike's St. Michael's? Um, upon graduating like my other to be honest the first love my first love was baseball and uh so i played that in the spring um around all a bunch of other sports basketball and soccer and, and rugby at school and uh so when i actually the, the my graduation day i was thinking about this the other day my actually the day i actually you know had my graduation ceremony my dad put me on a, a ferry and came over with uh, to Vancouver and I had a tryout for the, the junior national team at uh, Nat Bailey Stadium and, uh, you know, did my thing, took a bunch of infield, hit a bunch of balls. Things went pretty well. I got the call a couple of days later that I got invited back to uh, Ontario to try out, you know, be, there was like 60 guys that went back there and, and, and try out for the, the junior national team to play in the world junior tournament. So back I went. Pretty intense couple of weeks, made the cuts and ended up representing Canada. And we won the, the bronze medal in that. And then, you know, had previously had a, a scholarship arranged to go to Washington State, to Green River College. So came back, went down there, had a blast. Um, was that yeah. for baseball too? That was for baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So then I um, came, you know, and then I had a lot of fun doing that. Came back in the summer and, uh, you know, few games were sort of dangled in front of me rugby wise, um, you know, for BC juniors and that type of thing. And, and I just figured out right then, you know, that I was having more fun playing rugby. And so I ended up uh, not going back down to my, a little bit to my parents' chagrin at the time <laughs> and uh, enrolling in UVic. And uh, pretty quickly there was a uh, rugby Canada uh, junior tour to Wales. So I ended up going on that in September, captaining that team and, and then just carried on from there. So you go down to the States for baseball, yeah, which is, you know, baseball is one of America's top sports. It's their favorite pastime. How was that like when you, you know, you've got this torn between going to play rugby in Canada, which eventually, you know, pulled you back, but did you have aspirations of, you know, playing professional ball or, yeah. Yeah. How, how yeah. were you in, how were you in university? Like, were you, could you have made it? Do you think? Uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> like toot, you toot your own horn here. That's what this bit is. bit of for. a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> I, I was doing well down there and I was just going to it like a, a, like a community college, right? It wasn't like a four year college, but in the one year that I was there, there was four year colleges looking at me. Um, the Dodgers and the Reds were interested. That's cool. um, and yeah, I mean, that was something that I always wanted, like growing up, I was like, oh my God, you know, want to be a, you know, major league baseball player, right? Um, and, you know, whether or not that was actually a reality, I mean, the competition level is stiff. And at that time, I mean, that was, you know, 30 years ago, um, Canadians weren't given the same opportunities 
as an equal equally skilled American player, right? Correct. So, I mean, I think the, I made the right decision for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, whether I would have got, I would have got drafted probably, and th- but then it's just a, you know. Numbers game. It's a lottery after that. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's still really cool. Like one thing I always say in, uh, when I talk to people on the pod or just in general is that um, people talk about multi-sport athletes and, I, I consider you an athlete if you play more than one sport. If you're just a rugby player, you're a rugby player. If you're a baseball player, you're a baseball player. But if you play both, then you're an athlete. I, I think the multi-sport should be removed. So how, how important was it for you playing baseball? How did that help your rugby game, vice versa even? Um, yeah, I just think in general, I mean, especially at that age, you know, you're 14, 15, 16, right? Um, I think at that age, like you just – as an athlete, you just want to have fun, right? So, you know, it was fun to play baseball for, for three months. It was fun to play rugby for four months. And it was, then you flipped over to play basketball, right? Like, so it, I think it, you know, it keeps you engaged, right? It keeps you fresh. Um, and it's just fun to do all those different things. I mean, I, I know there's a, a tendency these days for, um, you know, kids to get sort of, you know, sidelined and or not, to, to be specialized essentially in a certain sport and that you know that's the new model and it probably works for for some kids but um you know back then there that wasn't really an option like 30 years ago like nobody really specialized too early like unless you were in perhaps you know like you know a figure skater right where you that's so specific that you need to spend so much time to get good at it at a young age, right? Um, but yeah, I just, and there's so much transfer, I think, between sports I and mean, just like game sense when you're, you know, it's the same sort of idea, like playing basketball, you got five guys on the court, you're trying to get open, you're trying to set guys up. Um, same thing in, in soccer, you're trying to get open, you're trying to pass to guys, communicating, um, and all the, the kicking skills, like for, for me, I mean, through baseball, obviously a lot of hand-eye stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that transfers over to catching balls whether, you know, and for, you know, playing soccer for, for so long beforehand that, you know, no doubt had an impact on, on my kicking abilities, right? So yeah, I, I just think the more things you can do, the better off you're going to be, the more well-rounded you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Eventually, maybe it's not quite the same today with the way, you know, the, the, the sort of specialization model is, but I think the, you know, if you, the cream's going to rise to the top, right? If, if you, at whatever age it is, um, if you're, if you've got a, uh, if your son or daughter is a, a good athlete, they're going to, they're going to find their way to the highest level if they want to, if they want to play that sport, yeah. even if they're playing two or three other ones. That's fair. You mentioned a point a little while ago too, about, uh, when people become specialized and you didn't talk about an age range, but maybe it's the cream of the crop that rises. You talked about that, but if you're, you know, that player that has that, those Jordan like basketball abilities or a Mark McGuire, like in baseball, chances are you're going to know that at an early age and stick around. But I think personally for the, for the general athlete the people that are just playing sports, the more well-rounded, the better awareness they have, the better athletic they are. I think it's better for them in a variety of variety of platforms. I think, I think that's kind of where you were going with that. I, yeah. I could be putting words yeah, in your mouth. Agreed. Yeah. You just, uh, I think playing multiple sports just makes you a better rounded athlete and a better rounded person. Yeah. That's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, let's, let's jump in here. I, I found this interesting. We, we chatted a little bit through email about the rugby world cups and you played in three 95 in South Africa, 99 Wales, Oh, three in Australia. Canada had some pretty good squads there. I want, I want to hear your thoughts on that 95 Rugby World Cup. I'm, I'm a history teacher. Uh, we do a unit on apartheid and things like that. And we, we dig in deep on Nelson Mandela. Can you talk about what it was like being in South Africa with Mandela there, South Africa just being freed from apartheid? But you're there playing rugby, and it's the first time South Africa has been invited to the Rugby World Cup, and they're actually hosting. How was yeah, that experience? It- it was, it was quite something, especially to look back on now. I mean, at the time I was only 25 and probably wasn't too hip to, you know, everything that was going on in the world, but you know, obviously I knew that, 
you know, apartheid was was ending there and rugby was going to be the, the first showcase event, right? Um, it was exciting going for sure. And it, we're going, that was my first World Cup and it was just like, uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was amazing, right? But I remember like normally when you go to a, a country, like you, you'd get off the plane, you go through customs and you show them your passport and everything like that. But that particular time, we, we landed in Johannesburg, got off the plane. There was like 20 um, native like warriors on each side off the tarmac, walked through there. A little intimidating. Yeah, well, no, it was fantastic, right? It was just like this amazing welcome. And uh, never once on that trip did anybody pull a passport out. Wow. <laughs> we just we just were in the country and then we got on another plane from there and went to uh port elizabeth which was our uh our home base for the for the trip and the seat directly in front of me was bishop desmond tutu oh cool and he, yeah it was just like we, we all knew who he was right but nobody like you know sort of tapped him on the shoulder but yeah i mean it was just it was it was an event right and uh pretty exciting for you know like just in general and being a part of that the, the rugby culture down there we're super you know we're welcomed amazingly um just by everybody they're happy to have um canada and canada obviously had a pretty big name for itself going in there after you know success in 91 right mm -hmm. um go ahead no i just i'm just i'm just soaking up what you're talking about here like the the atmosphere i'm i'm just picturing that every time you say something like the you're getting off the plane and the native warriors there and then desmond tutu and i'm just i'm picturing all that and how amazing that would have been like you said you were 25 at the time but yeah. reminiscing back on it you can see it in your eyes how you, you light right up talking about that experience yeah it was it was it was yeah it was, it was a experience of a lifetime for for many reasons um and i mean one of the we took an afternoon off and, and went into one of the townships one time again super well received they're all happy to to see us but like mo i can say most of us probably all of us have never seen a township before and just the you know what the you know the living conditions were so it was definitely an eye-opener and uh, a humbling experience made you probably feel proud to be canadian but also uh I guess, humbled by what you were there to do. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So you said you're 25. You were just a youngster at the time when you went to 90, the 95 Cup. But 03, you were a Wiley vet. You would have been 32, 33 years old in Australia. And you were you were a kicking phenom for Canada for a number of years and even in 03. Can you talk to us about the differences in gameplay from you as a, from a personal standpoint, 25 to 33, being a leader on, being a leader on that 03 team in Australia? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, the sort of course of a rugby player's life, you know, you're young and hopefully mostly healthy, right? Like, you know, physically probably better than you are when you're, when you're older. Um, it's that balance between that and experience, right? So uh, I was pretty raw in, in, in 95 and, and around those times. And, you know, by the time 2003 rolled around, I was actually 34 and you know, getting older and sort of, you know, got a little more experience, could read the game a little bit better, but had to work at my fitness harder, right? So I was actually, you know, fitter probably in 03 than I was in, in 95. Things changed. It, like 95 was the start of professionalism. You know, we worked hard, but we, you know, we, we didn't, you know, really know exactly what we, you know, we should be doing, but by the time 2003 rolled around, I'd been over to Cardiff and uh, been in that professional environment for a year. Our training regimes had got better. So yeah, but you know, time 2003 rolled around, um, my body was breaking down, mm -hmm. uh, but I, you know, I was, I did have the benefit of a bit of experience at that point to, to go along with things. So you talked about that. You talked a little bit about Cardiff. You talked about professionalism there and, since professionalism has come into the game of rugby, Canada is slowly falling back from the tier one nations, unfortunately. But we've started up major league rugby. You know, we're, we've got the Toronto Airs, we've got a bunch of players in the States. How can that help rugby in Canada? How, how can it help rugby in general by having a professional rugby program in North America? Yeah, well, I think, I think that's the new model. 
Um, you know, the model when I was a kid, what, you know, the, like call a spade a spade, like BC was the hot point or the strong, the hotbed of rugby, right? Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to get better and you wanted to, you know, make a national team. Reality was that you came out and, and played in BC because yeah. you could play pretty much year round and all the coaches and selectors and, and that type of thing were out here. So, I mean, the model back then was you played club and then you played um, in, the, in the McKechnie Cup which was like, you know, Crimson Tide was the, was the island team. Uh, there was, you know, UBC, Fraser Valley, Vancouver. And those, you know, to, to just make those teams, like, you know, as, as a kid, like when I was 19, I stepped into that first locker room and I was like, oh my God. I mean, it was just stacked with like legends and, and studs, like guys that, you know, you looked up to and you've been watching since you were 10 years old. Now I'm in the same room with these guys, right? And then the next step was BC and, same thing, like, holy cow, I cannot believe, you know, I'm in there. So there's this huge motivation and clear stepping stones. And then for obviously from there, you know, you know, your next step is is to play for Canada, right? Those steps, like in, with respect to those competitions, I don't think are as clearly defined as they as they were now. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit vague as to as to what to do. And, and there's been competitions that have come and gone and uh, through Canada, uh, um, but, now there's not really that sort of, like I said, clear stepping stone um, or set or series of stepping stones. But what MLR will do if it continues to gain footholds, it will give kids something to shoot for, right? right. And if there's you know more teams added, um, there's there's more opportunity for for kids in Canada to to do that, and I, and that's likely the the new model going forward. So I think it's I think it's going to be. It is a good thing, and it's gonna it's gonna continue to to help uh, kids kids get into that level. Yeah, I'd love to see one uh, another team in in out west, out in BC, and one here in the Maritimes. But I think that might be a few years off before they expand again back into Canada. What what can Rugby Canada do? I guess to better promote rugby within our country. Like, what are what are things that you see that Rugby Canada could help get more people involved and invested in the game? Yeah, well, I think they're doing. You know, like they started that rookie rugby program pre-COVID and obviously yeah. things have kind of stalled out a bit, but yeah. that's a great program. And that sort of, you got to get to the grassroots of the game and get to the kids, right? So, uh, but, you know, that takes money yeah. to do it properly. And it's a big country. We've always struggled as a, as a country financially. Um, what, what we need realistically is a big sponsor. Yeah. It's going to come in, make a multi-year commitment, and and you know start on the with the ground up and see kids that are 10, 12, 13, 14 through for five years and, and see where they go. Mm -hmm. um, I think adding the the Pacific Pride back into the um, system is going to be hugely impactful. I don't know if it's going to have quite the same uh, results as it did you know, back in the day when it started, but I think that's a, a really important you know, addition. I agree. Um, the rookie rugby thing, you're right. My wife and I started a program here five plus years ago. We went from six kids in our first year to 60 in our fourth year. And then COVID happened last year. Yeah. And, and this year, we're not sure if we can do it because insurance went, the insurance is the kicker now. It went from, I paid $330 to insure 60 kids for eight sessions plus two jamborees and went from $330 to $3,000. And wow. it's for non-contact rugby. And I just, I'm not sure how to do that now. I'm, I'm kind yeah. of at was a stumbling point. Was that insurance premium bump just because of COVID or? Because of rugby. Because just of because of rugby. Okay. rugby. Yeah. Even right. when you say like it's non-contact, it's flag rugby, but because mm -hmm. rugby's in the name. So trying to think of a way around that at the moment. So yeah, that's a if you have any ideas, let me know. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, think about that one tonight. <laughs> All right, so Bobby, we're at the section now where we do our quick fire. So this is this is not meant to make you think a lot, but you might have to. There's about 20 questions. Ooh. Half of them are rugby-based, half of them are personality-based. Um, and it's really just for fun. So I want you to have some fun with this. Do you think sure. you want to give it a go? Absolutely. All right, question one. Best team you ever faced? All Blacks. All Blacks. What year do you know offhand? 94. 94. Joan Alamu? Yeah. 
Um, he was on that squad, but he wasn't playing in that particular game. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I can tell you a couple of stories about that. This probably doesn't fit into the rapid fire thing, but yeah, it was they were they were a handful. No, no, no. Talk about it. bring it up. I want to hear. Yeah, okay, it. so yeah, that was it down in in, uh, in New Zealand in '94 and uh, played the All Blacks at Eden Park, like you know, holy grail of of New Zealand rugby down there. Yeah, and we got clobbered. I mean, it was you know they were just you know different different level, right? Um, I remember the first five minutes of the game. Um, there was a rock on our ten meter line. And our whole back row got sucked into the rock and Jamie Joseph peeled around the back with the ball, full steam running at me. And I just kind of looked at him. I, got, I, I actually had this thought. I go, well, this guy's got nothing to lose. And he just, I dove at his ankles. I think my teeth got caught in his laces and he fell over. But uh, yeah, that, that was, that was something. It was a, that was a big eye opener. Um, I remember walking into, uh, that was Andrew Merton's first cap. Oh, cool. And I went into to trade uh, jerseys after the game with with Andrew and and walked in there and and Frank Bunce was sitting on a bench having a having a Steinlager and uh, he just had his shorts on and there was like a a very defined V from his waist to his shoulders and then a pyramid from his shoulders to the base of his ears and I just kind of was like okay we got guys that look like that but they got small numbers on them not yeah. not, uh, not, <laughs> not not backs so. Yep. Yeah, it was a little, that was an eye-opener for sure. You still have that jersey for Mertens? Uh, he wouldn't trade. Because it was his first. It was his first jersey, so yeah, uh, you won't do that, I guess. <laughs> so what did, what did, did you get one from somebody else? or? Nope, nope not that game. Nope. So. All right, who's the best player you ever faced? Um, best player, I, you know, I think that goes back to one of, like one of my first sort of, you know, international experiences. I was playing against David Campisi. Um, not like Name. number for number, but uh, I ended up one-on-one -on -one with him in a couple situations and he just like absolutely turned me inside out. I'm sure it wasn't that bad. I'm sure you, you gave it a good go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Let's put, let's leave it like that then. All right. Who's the toughest player you ever faced? And when I say that, it's the guy you look up one V one and you're hoping that they just drop the ball or their boot comes off or something like that. Uh, probably Al. Sharon. <laughs> and we didn't play against each other too often, thankfully, but um, yeah, nobody, nobody wants to get too close to Al in the game, in practice, on the bus. You just, anytime he can just split you open. Nice. All right. What was the best match you were ever a part of? Um, best match I was ever part of. Um, could be university, well, could be high school. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know that that's a tricky one yeah because uh, there's there's been a lot i mean if you start from the most recent going back i mean the the final world cup game against uh, tonga in 2003 was was kind of special because it kind of knew it was my last game um, emotional yeah and it was a good result i mean we needed a win at that point um that that was that was pretty amazing um there's been moments throughout the sort of test career that were amazing um one of the most amazing memories for me in rugby is when i was 20 we had in the 1989 the centenary year we had uh the all blacks ireland england and australia come through and play bc in a series of course of a month wow uh, yeah so that was an amazing string and in victoria at royal athletic park there was the biggest crowd I've ever seen in Victoria still for a rugby game. And we, we played Australia and it was unbelievable atmosphere in there. And we ended up losing the game, but we, we scored a try from our own goal line. Tommy Woods, uh, you know, started the move and then it, we ended up, he ended up scoring it in the opposite corner awesome. to tie it up like with, with 20 minutes, 25 minutes to go. Crowd went ballistic. I mean, that was, that was unreal. That, that's always, always sticks with me. Um, the same sort of time frame. my first cap against Ireland in Victoria. Uh, it's pretty neat to, to be able to, to have that in your hometown. Absolutely. Right? So. All right. Well, who's the best team you played with? The best team I played with. Okay. Well, again, that's a, that's a tough, 
pick, but it is. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to go back to my well, grade twelve team. I was going to say before you answer, yeah. when you pick one team, you're leaving a lot of people out. So you might you might take a few <laughs> guys off here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It doesn't yeah? Don't take it personal, fellas. But That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my grade twelve team at, at St. Michael's was unbelievable. Like it's it. Uh, we went. I think we went fourteen and zero. Had. 600 and some odd points for 44 against. Um, <clears throat> we had, uh, I think, in grade 12, I think we had five guys from that team named to the, the Canadian under-19 team. Um, and it was it was unreal. It's still, you know, much to, to Gareth's chagrin, it's still uh, widely known as uh, the, the best team that, that uh, the school's ever had. So... Bobby, what's your favorite rugby tradition? Well, my favorite, like, there's, there's plenty. Again, you're, you're, you're these questions are so, so tricky. They're, they're great, but they're tricky. But I mean, what I loved most about the game growing up was playing your heart out, and then going and having a beer with the other guys and and socializing. And that's kind of changed over mm -hmm. the course of. Uh, time and through professionalism it's we've gotten away from that but <clears throat> I, I don't know a couple of years ago I was going through one of my old rugby Canada jackets and and found the invitation card to a Canada uh, versus Scotland post-match function uh, cool. it was after we played Scotland at Murrayfield yeah and those big events like that when you go to a uh, like a you know a home nation or a, you have a big test match somewhere and you've got this amazing banquet after where everybody's intermingled sitting together and back in the day like when everybody was a little looser and socialized a little harder those were that was that was amazing that sounds pretty cool uh that's one of my favorite things about rugby as well is that uh mingling with the team afterwards whether you know it's high school level and you take your boys and you share a coke with them or a gatorade or club level or what have you it's always one of my favorite things yeah right. what was your rugby nickname uh, well, boob, just, you know, just stick an extra O in there and boob it was. That's, does do people still call you that? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. I, I won't, I won't. That's okay. <laughs> who's the, who's the player you love to smash? The player I love to smash. Um, well, you know, I wasn't exactly what you would call a, you know, smasher, but, um, I always enjoyed getting to play against Gareth and okay. uh, <clears throat> we had, <clears throat> I probably took, you know, more of the brunt of anything, but um, we, had some good, <laughs> we had some good, uh, good physical battles and some, in some trial games. And he's got that big chest there. I imagine it'd be a little tricky at times to get a better of him. Tough, so. to, tough to get your arms around. Yeah. Right. Any rugby superstitions? Um, I, well, I always, before every single game, I, I sat down and, and uh, polished my boots. Okay. That's a good Yeah. It just kind of, it was just a thing I did and it just kind of, you know, set the, set the tone for the day. Get your head, get your head set in the game. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I did this with my family a few weeks ago. We went ax throwing, which is a lot of fun. Who would, th who would be three people that you would take ax throwing for a tournament? For a tournament? Yeah. Like, All, like rugby, like rugby world domination. Yeah, you like rugby guys. Who would I take for world domination <laughs> axe axe throwing championship? Um, Mark Cardinal. Okay. Okay. Guy's a legend. He's a, he's a he's a rugby legend, but he's also a legend with uh, a chainsaw. So he's he's gonna be, he's gonna be good with an axe as well. It's close to an axe, yeah. Yeah. Um, probably I would strongly consider Tommy Woods. Okay. And my dad. Okay. That's a good, that's a good shout. Anytime you can take your dad in these things, that's always awesome. Yeah. Right. What's the most used app on your phone? Text. Just text. Well, yeah, it's just, you know, with my business, it's just, you know, a constant barrage of, of text and it's, it seems to be the easiest way to communicate with people for the most part. Fair enough. What's your go-to food? You think a lot about this one? Fish. What kind of fish? Um, just mostly mostly salmon. Halibut. Salmon. Okay. Yeah. Chips or cookies? Chips. What kind of chips? 
Salt and vinegar. Salt and vinegar. That's a nice one. French fries or onion rings? Fries. French fries or poutine? Fries. Okay. Uh, favorite beer? <sighs> Budweiser. Oh, jeez. It's kind of lame, but no, I'll I'm be honest. Say, I'm not going to say, well, yeah, I appreciate the honesty. Yep. All right. Where's the best place for a post-match beer? I think I know. James Bay Clubhouse is pretty solid. Okay, I thought you were going to say in the other team's club or the other team's changing room, but James, a few people have said that that same place. So, yeah. What is a guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure. Well, I'm trying to decrease my guilty pleasures these days, but uh, <laughs> if I had to say it, I'd probably say um, a good ball of red wine. Okay. Any particular brand, or is it just has to be good and expensive? It doesn't have to be good and expensive, but uh, I like Tignanello. Okay. What is your favorite song or your, your favorite band? Um, favorite song? I, I'm probably going to have to say 10 Years After, A Space and Time. Um, oh, so that's the name of the album. I'd love to change the world 10 years after. But band-wise, I mean, I, I grew up listening to the, you know, I had an older brother, older sister, Grew up listening to the Doors. Still love the Doors. Love the Stones, Zeppelin. Um, but I, you know, I'm pretty diverse in my tastes. I guess I like a lot of. Um, I listen to a lot of country music now as well. Okay, so '70s rock and country music. Yeah, just all over the map. I like yeah. that stuff. That's good. What series are you binge watching right now? Uh, just finished Yellowstone. Oh yeah. And I finished Ozark in the summer. That I haven't solid. started. Is that one good? I, I haven't started yeah, that one. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty engaging. And yeah. uh, I just, I, I kind of forgot. I watched the first three or four seasons of Peaky Blinders and I touched that up the other night. So I polished off season five of that. Is that like Peaky Blinders? I've seen a, like movie posters or, or, you know, video posters for it. Is that like a 1800s mafia or something like that? Yeah, or? like sort of like, you know, 1920s uh, Birmingham, England. Okay. Just uh, street gangs that, yeah, and this one particular one, you know, was a little nastier and more clever than everybody else. Might have to take that one up. What's your favorite movie? Again, many choices, but uh, <laughs> growing up, it was The Natural. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was just, yeah, just stuck with me for a long time. Yeah, yeah, good baseball movie. All right, three questions left. And these are the ones that usually people get hung up on a little bit. So you might, if you need to take your time, I can always do a little editing, all right? Yeah, freeing my Ready? mind, freeing my mind, yeah. Who would play you in the Netflix movie of your life? <laughs> it doesn't have to be somebody athletic, you know, in the, in yeah. the movie, you know, Kevin Costner, maybe, but, you know, maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's somebody else, somebody else out there. Yeah. Um, wow. I, had, I had Leslie about, McKenzie tell me off when I asked her this because she couldn't think of one. It was kind of funny. Well, I thought of a couple guys, but, oh, you know, okay. uh, I think, uh, you know, Keenow Reeves, how about that? Nice. Good BC boy. Nice. Yeah, with, you know, had some, you know, I was well known. He's still got some hair. I, I was well known for some, you know, my hair seems back fun. in the day. It seems to have, it seems to have left me now. So <laughs> that's why I wear a hat in all of my pods. <laughs> I got a lot of hats. I got more hats now than I did 10 years ago. <laughs> all right. Next one. Follow up. Who would play the leading lady? I don't know why I thought of this. My wife's not that far away. She's probably going to hear me say this, but uh, <laughs> she doesn't Michelle, have Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay, she just reminds good. me. You just yeah. So that's good. That's a good one. <laughs> and the last one, I've had a few guys that wouldn't answer it. They were scared that they were going to get in trouble. So good, bravo. I can only get in trouble so many times. So that's true. All right, what would the movie be called? Oh, man, that's <laughs> tough. Yeah. Um, See, this is where they get mad at me. This is the story. The, quick the, sto the story of my life. What would the movie be called? Um, story of my life. Well, it could be. That's yeah. That's fairly. Uh, <laughs> fairly general but uh story of my life um i would just you know what i would say it sounds kind of weird but fortunate fortunate ah i think that's good i think that's really good i think that's a great name for a movie of, of your life i think that would be awesome all right so those were the quick fires they're done like i said the last few tend to tend to take a little <laughs> bit longer but you did pretty good there it's pretty good all right all right only a handful of questions left who was your childhood hero like, are we talking like sports hero or just hero we, in general? Hero in general. Like when you were a kid growing up, what, who did you look up to? 
Uh, well, my, my parents, yeah. like both of them. Um, yeah, they gave me every single, you know, opportunity that I wanted to pursue. Um, they're always, always there for me, always supportive. I mean, they came to every games they came, you know, they coach stuff. My, my dad was coaching baseball, not, not all the time, but they, you know, for a couple of years, my mom was in the concession and they followed me on tours, not any tour, but just, you know, but you know, world cups, they showed mm -hmm. up in France and, and Australia and yeah, they've just been a real solid influence and force in my life. That's really good. With regards to rugby, who had the biggest impact on you as a player? Um, well, there's, you know, a few people for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll mention them in a sec, but I think, you know, the, the culture of rugby at St. Michael's had like probably the biggest impact, uh, you know, in general, right? Because there were, like I said, there was like, we were playing, like Johnny Graff and I were in grade 11 and 12. We were playing first division rugby at the time, which is equivalent to, to premier rugby now, like on Saturday with our teachers, you know, and then we were, you know, having chemistry class with the same teacher, you know, like two days later. So um, there was like, the rugby culture was just so amazing there. And like I said, like Ian Hydley was a, a coach um, or a teacher there. And I, we'd look out in class and I'd look out there <clears throat> and see Ian doing sprints um, training, right? And we're just kind of like, and I did, right then I was like, okay, well, you know, he plays for Canada. That's what you got to do to play for Canada, right? right. Um, within this, like in that high school time frame as well, I mean, obviously um, Alan Reese had our group of players from like Garristad from grade 10 through to 12. So he, he was with us for three years. Brilliant rugby mind, great, you know, great player in his own right. Um, uh, back in Wales and we learned a lot from him and uh, and he was a halfback so you know I, I probably you know was the beneficiary of a little bit more of his you know his tutelage um, but beyond that um, you know Don Burgess had a, a huge impact on my life um, a rugby and you know kicking as well obviously he was a you know like a, a amazing teacher of that um, Gary Johnson kind of gave me my first crack, right? Against, uh, you know, Ireland in, in, in 89. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of big influences, but, and, you know, and from a, from a sort of a, if you go back a question or two, like who was my hero growing up, like from a rugby perspective, you know, like in town, Mark Wyatt, Nice. you know, like I watched him kick a ball when I was whatever, 13 14 or whatever it was and i was just like okay okay that's different right yeah. and you know i want to be able to kick a ball like that yeah some uh some good names there some uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of great support a lot of great rugby support growing through there yeah. that was that's awesome i think i know the answer to this but i, I want to get your your take on it how important is team body camaraderie especially at the national level with the rugby team um, well, I mean, it's, you know, if you, if you want to have success, it's everything, right. Um, it's, that's probably, that's probably what you're thinking I was going to say, but you know, if you've got 15 super talented guys that, you know, don't really get along playing against 10 super talented guys and five pretty good guys that will die for each other, those, those guys are going to win. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, if you know that everybody has got your back, um, it's, it makes, it makes a difference. And it's, it's not just the guys on the field. It's the guys that are in the squad and, and don't start. And that can be a destructive, um, force if, if, uh, if everybody is not together. Right. And right. I mean, I'm not sure if you, you know, this stat <clears throat> kind of just sort of, you know, plays into, into the whole thing, but I mean, I ended up, you know, playing a, a lot. For Canada getting, I don't know, 57, 58 caps or whatever it is, but I sat on the bench and did not get in in my early days 24 times. So I know what it's like to, I know what it's like on both sides of the coin, right? You can almost easily just see yourself just packing up and then that enough's enough, right? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, and a couple times it was like, that's where, you know, it doesn't make any sense for me anymore to be doing this, right? Mm. But, you know, you've got a role to play no matter what position you're in the field, whether you're starting or not. And, and you know, down the road, you know, you, you can, you know, and now you can come off the bench and turn a game, Yeah. right? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's important that, that everybody's on the same page. You you've played high competitive baseball as well. Is there is the camaraderie different across the board in your opinion between rugby and other sports? Um, well, I mean, I never played like too far on after like with, with baseball. So I was like you know eighteen when I sort of stepped away from it. Um, I would, camaraderie was great. I mean, it was you know I was good friends with everybody on the team. Um, but there's some and there's something different in my mind. Um, about rugby, I don't know if it's the the physicality um, and the sort of you know the bonding that you do through that. Um, but you know the same. I'm sure you know hockey players would say the same thing about their sport too, right? Like it's yeah. you know brutally physical and and all that. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm biased for sure, but I, I just you know I think that for whatever reason, rugby is just, it's just its own little, its own little sort of atmosphere with, with respect to that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's uh, it's, it's 2021 right now. I think I, my, my years have been getting mixed up over the last 15, 18 months, but uh, let's fast forward here to 2025, 30 years out from that 95 rugby world cup. That first time that you went with Canada on the world cup adventure. What do you? What are those guys saying about you in the room? As Bobby the player, as Bobby the guy that was a member of that team, what do you think they're saying? What do you want them to say about you? Um, well, I, you know, I, I've got a pretty good relationship with everybody for the most part, right? So uh, hopefully it's 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 somewhat flattering, but uh, I would like them to think that I was a you know a team player um, and somebody that loved representing Canada. Um, that, that, that's something that's, that's very special to me to, to have had the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, I, maybe that they would might say that I had a, a flair for, you know, a bit of flair and, uh, you know, could put a few points on the board. Um, you third all time for Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And, uh, almost 500 points. Yeah. Over 400. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was a good run for sure, and uh, you know probably probably they would all say they don't bug me about it. Uh, good hair and uh, probably a, also a devastating tackler. And the Keanu Reeves thing too, probably right. And they might they were all laughing at the last one. And what, sorry? And the Keanu Reeves thing as well, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I I tried to pull up some footage there. I have to dig a little bit deeper for some of those tackling. Tackling the tackles that you're talking about there. So. You're going to have to dig real deep. <laughs> All right, just a couple left here, Bobby. Uh, before the pod, I was admiring the artwork behind. There's, can you talk to us about uh, any significance be in, in, in the, the First Nations art you have behind you on the wall there? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's just a you know, selection of, of West Coast Native art. Um, nothing that's you know family-related per se, but as I did mention before, um, I'm a you know, First Nations uh, Songhees band member. And, uh, you know, we've, you know, been around here for a long time. And my, my grandfather was the, the chief of um, the, the Songhees in Victoria here for, for a number of years. That's, that's, uh, it's really interesting for sure. Um, did, so like, did your, were you the first member of your family that played rugby or was that, is it something that's been around? He, well, actually, my dad was a really good athlete as well, um, but he went off to dental school uh, when he was like 21. And when he came back, it was, you know, like he was just like business oriented and didn't want to really screw his hand up for, for, for his, his work, right? But he was a really good rugby player. He played for, he played for the Tide and he actually played for... Um, I don't even know what, what year that would be. See, 29, 39. Yeah, probably like in around 39 or 40 or something like that. He played, I think, the All Blacks came to town. He, then the, the Tide played against the All Blacks. Cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. All right. Lastly here, talk to us a little bit about your real estate company, Bobby, Bobby Ross Real Estate. Like, what's, is it commercial? Is it, uh, is it housing? 
Yeah, give, so give it's not actually, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, my, my branding's Bobby Ross Real Estate. Um, I work for Pemberton Homes, which is Mike Holmes's um, family company that, that he owns and operates in up and down Vancouver Island. Cool. Uh, but I'm, I'm a residential realtor. I've been doing it now for or six. This is my 16th year, which just means I'm getting old. Um, but yeah. It just no, means you know, uh, your, know your trade. Yeah. Well, that, something, yeah, that too. But uh, yeah, no, it's been a, it's been good. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, one of the things I like about it the best is I, you know, I get to work with some great people and, and uh, you know, I, I do get to work with a reasonable number of, of, uh, of rugby folks as well. That's pretty cool. That's nice. It's, uh, it's it's cool that you were able to start that almost after you retired from rugby and you've been you've been plugging along with it ever since and, and doing yeah. all right. Your website's awesome. It's it's a lot of great information on there. So it's I imagine business is going well for you. So that's awesome. Yeah. Lastly, any any great rugby stories you care to share with us? Um, yeah. Um, anything anything that you've caught wind of or want to ask or just in general? Just in general. I I, I like to I like to stay a lot of people will give me, make sure you talk to so-and-so about this, but yeah. I, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, like, again, how do you, how do you pick? I've, I've, you know, been so fortunate to have been on so many great teams with, with, with so many great players and, you know, travel the world, you know, five times over, um, uh, played in pretty much all the big stadiums in the world. Um, one of the things I'd love to do was like the Friday kick around, you know, after the walkthrough before the game on Saturday was like, especially in big stadiums, like the kickers would stick around and there was like, you know, two or three guys. We had the whole stadium to ourselves. We're kicking off like a, you know, a golf fairway. And it was just a, it was just sort of a, you know, a pure hour, you know, and we just, you know, like joked around and kind of challenged each other sometimes, but it was just a, you know, those, those are really cool um, moments for sure. Um, another couple, couple of funny stories um, surrounding, like when I got my 50th cap in, in Paris, um, Al, I think I was about the, maybe the fourth or fifth guy at that point that, that got their 50th cap and Al was the captain and he had started a tradition of uh, the, you know, the, the, the guy who was getting his 50th cap to, to lead the team on onto the field, right? Like normally that's captain's job, right? So we're standing in the tunnel, um, just finished pissing rain. Like the pitch was immaculate and warm up. It just unloaded for 25 minutes. Standing in the tunnel, you know, the, the French team's off to our left and I'm a couple guys behind Al and, and he's, he turned around to me and uh, he goes, he goes, boob, where you go kid? So <laughs> I knew what he meant. So I, you know, turned, got out around the corner, jumped out in front, sprinted out onto the field um, over the PA system. Like in French, I could hear the, the guy go, you know, coming out of the field, you know, Bobby Ross, it's his 50th cap. And there was 50,000 people there and, and they were super receptive, um, big cheer. And I, there was a, like a 50 piece brass band playing out there marching around in the middle field so I get out there stop turn around to high five the guys nobody there you just like let me go and uh so there I was standing in the middle of the field and normally when you get on the field it's like you know I rarely looked up at the crowd and stuff because it's just like time to get down to business you don't want to get distracted but that's all you could look at yeah. So I, but I kind of just actually, you know, one of the few times I just took a breath and went, okay, I'm just going to soak this in. Just did a slow 360, looked around. And by that time, the, the guys got out there and, and uh, I high-fived them all when they, when they came by. So that would, that was, that's a pretty special sort of, you know, goosebump moment, right? Remember uh, anything else about that game? Yeah. I mean, we, we played reasonably well. It was a pretty strong French squad. Um, you know, we, we, yeah, we had, we played quite well. We lost, I think we lost 30 to three, um, just deplorable conditions, like just, just an absolute slob fest. Um, and then we, you know, then we had what I talked about before. We had this unbelievable banquet upstairs, you know, with, with the French team and, and everybody. And, you know, like, I just remember the meal. I specifically remember the meal because I'm, I'm a hunter and a, and a fisher and, I, and you know, they, the, the big, huge, you know, entree was like, venison 
right? So it was it was so cool. And and, and uh, Gareth was retired at that point, but he was there. I think he was a CEO of at that point. And and uh, Prime Minister Gretchen was in Paris, so he ended up coming up and sitting with Gareth and uh, and. And I, I think I, I, I don't know, I did a big punch or something like that, or maybe kicked a goal, and and uh, he turned to Gareth and said, "Hey, that number ten, hey, he's got a, he's got a pretty big boot." <laughs> so anyway, just goofy little stuff like that, right? Gareth thought that was hilarious, and yeah. he he relayed that to me after. <laughs> um, yeah, other stuff. I mean, going to Cardiff was pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, you know, that was sort of at the front end of. Um, like you know canadians making you know inroads in, in professionalism over there i mean and it wasn't like you know cardiff's you know world famous kind of like manchester united in essence of of rugby in, in britain right so it was amazing going there and and i mean the first afternoon i was actually there i hadn't actually you know i wasn't cleared to play yet so i was just kind of getting bounced around between booths and introduced to people and and one of the owners said hey come on i want to introduce to somebody so went over to the next room and and you know come into this room gareth edwards right like (laughs) there's another like hero i guess if you want to call that and as in high school all our most of our coaching staff was welsh right so the only real rugby tapes that we got when somebody actually sent them back from (laughs) britain yeah Wales. Or Welsh games in like the crowning years, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh my God. And everybody knows Gareth's you know, try against the All Blacks, right? For the, yep. for the Barbarians. And yep. I, I just kind of was like, uh, <laughs> like dumbstruck. And I went, oh, Gareth, yeah, it's, you know, please me. I, I said, you know, um, I always said if I got to meet you, I'd congratulate, congratulate Abe for your try against the All Blacks in 74. And, and he goes, he goes, ooh, if I had a pound for any time, somebody told me that. <laughs> And uh, anyway, so I got on. Well, I got on well with him from from there, and and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that that atmosphere around Cardiff was was pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. That's a good story too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, listen, anyway, we yeah, could, that's I great. Could, I could go on. But. No, hey, that's awesome. Uh, listen, I've had a blast. I mean, if you want to go on, I'm I'm completely content to listen to a few more. I don't know. You might have to go to work. It's what one uh, well, yeah, one, well, one or two o'clock out there. I mean, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's probably. You probably got to go sell some houses or something. That's probably, well, yeah, that, that, that'd be a good idea. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably good. I mean, we could, I could go on about stuff for, for a while, but uh, yeah, it was, I've, like I said, just super, super um, fortunate to have had the opportunities that I had to, to play the game. W- wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, it, it was, it was kind of funny. Like, it, you know, you, everybody's, especially back then you kind of put your, you know, careers on hold to, to do it. Um, but zero regrets because the, the stuff that I got to experience with, with all my buddies was, was, uh, was the best. That's awesome. That's absolutely beautiful. Zero regrets. What a, what a great motto right there. That could be the name of your movie as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I would have liked to have, you know, made a couple more kicks or done a couple of things here or there. So there's <laughs> those kind of regrets, but like no regrets uh, for the, for the path. So that's, that's great. Well, listen, Bobby, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate you taking the time here on this uh, Thursday afternoon. It's beautiful here in New Brunswick. I imagine it's beautiful out there in BC as well. So I really appreciate it. Yep. <laughs> we take care that. and go sell some houses, make some money, and uh, maybe we'll get you back on again sometime. Maybe we'll do a, a joint podcast with uh, Mark and Gareth or something like that and ha- just swap some stories or something. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. And, and uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, you know, I've really enjoyed um we put this together and i'm sure we'll we'll see you again perfect well thanks very much cheers thanks bobby it's a lot of fun i love hearing those stories at the end and you know talking about running out uh, for your 50th cap and the boys leaving you there behind all by yourself that was uh i like that that's good stuff uh thanks for joining us had a, had a great chat uh, had a great time chatting with you it was uh, real interesting hearing your story and uh, i am sure lots of our listeners are going to enjoy that as well Coming up soon, we've got Henry Paul, coach of uh, Canada's Sevens men's team. We've got Rod Snow, pride of Newfoundland. We've got Tom Woods, who's back in the fold. He and I have, have reconnected. Nick Blevins and I are still trying to nail down that date. We've got Travis Larson and Josh Thiel, like I said, from San Diego, who are going to be on. And we also have another group pod coming up with Brett Bukaboom, Evan Olmstead, two friends of the pod. And they're going to be joined by Matt 
Evans and Matt Bookaboom. So that one, we're trying to get an, uh, a date locked in for that as well. As always, though, I want to thank everybody for listening and thank everybody who actually, you know, shares these messages. I like, I like hearing that, uh, you know, from people saying, oh, I didn't hear about your podcast, but I saw so-and-so share it. And I think that's great because more people that hear about these stories, the better it is for the game of rugby in Canada. As always, I got to thank my son, Ryland, for creating that music for us at the intro and the outro. He, he put a lot of effort into that. Uh, and uh, it's really cool that he's part of this prog- podcast journey with me. As always, I want you to feel free to request topics. I want you to feel free to request future guests because uh, without any extra thought from you, it makes it a little bit difficult. But I also want to know who you want to hear from or if there's any questions you want me to ask people. Lastly, this is Jamie. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and most importantly, keep on rocking. <laughs>